live to tape. Welcome to Millennials, Season 2, Episode 30. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. I'm Matt. And joining us this week is Claire, our third golden ticket winner. Hello, Claire. How are you? Good. Hi, everybody. Hey. It's good to hey, have hey, you here. Hey, you got the golden ticket. Claire, tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself. Where do you live? What do you do? Yeah, uh, I'm from the North Shore in Illinois, which is a little bit north of Chicago. Um, and I'm a law student. Oh, okay, that's enough. Uh, I just want a little rich. bit about you. Uh. What kind of law are you studying? Um, so right out of graduation, I'm going to do corporate law, which is super boring. Um, sorry, no offense to anyone who does that. Um, to pay <laughs> uh. off my debt. But ultimately, I want to do national security law. Oh, nice. Damn. You just Ooh, turned yeah. on Elisa. Yeah, you did. <laughs> That's so great. So I have a question for you then. We've had quite a few discussions on the show about national security. How infuriated are you listening to us <laughs> as people who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, uh, talking about something that you know so much about? I'm not infuriated. I think it's interesting to like hear the people who are you know as informed as the public, I think, should be informed. You know, it's like you're not talking completely without any like background knowledge about it at all like you guys look up stuff um but it's like it's more informative than anything else um i will say like i don't always agree but sometimes i do too so it's like it's good yeah okay cool That's, okay well it's, I mean, it's good to know that we're not completely off base we're gonna yeah, we're <laughs> just we're gonna call you next time <laughs> we have a national security a national security issue you're gonna be like our correspondent on the ground that sounds great. <laughs> I'm okay with her assessment. Like, I don't agree with everything you say, but sometimes I do. Like, I think that's a success. That's how I feel about myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so today on the show, we are going to do the number with three numbers. We are going to do, we're just renaming it. We're calling it Trumpster Fire 2016 now instead of Dumpster <laughs> Fire 2016. Because, man, there is a lot of stuff this week that we have to talk about. And, uh... We're going to talk about a couple other things as well. But first, it's time for Claire's Choice, <laughs> the new game here on Millennial. Claire, as the golden ticket winner, what would you like us to talk about this week? I thought it'd be cool to talk about what's on everyone's bucket list and if anyone's checked off anything yet. Mm, I just have a fuck it list. Do you know what that is? <laughs> just like Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I, for me, it's mainly traveling. Uh, I I love traveling, especially being home all the time. Um, I would love to go on a cruise, which I really need to do already because the prices are really good from LA for like a three or four day cruise, and I've never done that yet. I also want to f- uh, visit more state parks because again, California, there's so many great state parks around here um, that I still haven't been to. And finally, I really want to go to the Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta. This is something that happens there annually. It's the biggest one in the world, and it just looks beautiful. And I'm planning to do that this year. And um, I also want to get DP'd. So I have a few different things. You want to get Dr. Peppered? No, no, Laura. That means double penetrated. You should know all about this based on what I hear about you. Oh, oh, right. (laughs) There was that one time. (laughs) Yeah, it was close, but it was it was only like a one and a half piece. <laughs> <laughs> like one got in and then the other one almost slipped in and Laura was like, no, <laughs> don't, yeah. please stop. Um, Claire is like about to hang up, by the way. <laughs> like, so five minutes into the, like five minutes into the episode, well, she's like, I think I'm out. It's guys. always in porn, so I always wonder, what's that like? Mm-hmm. Well, can you give us an update when it happens? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Elisa, what's on your bucket list? Um, I think first and foremost, I always wanted to live abroad. So traveling, I guess, is, is, is a big one for me, too. Uh, but outside of that, that's so obvious. Um, 
I so one time and this was like a once in a lifetime deal, but one time I farted and I managed to keep it between my cheeks before it like released. So I like shimmied my way to the bathroom and released it in a stall. So I consider that, you know, a pretty big accomplishment. I've and done that's a serious too. achievement. That no, is a serious achievement. It is. It, it feels like you actually feel like a bubble inside two butt cheeks too. No, you for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I looked like I was walking with, you know, a stick up my ass, but it was worth it, I think. Yeah, it's like a fart hug. (laughs) So, like, I've had that happen to me before, and I've always wondered if people can tell by looking at me when I'm walking that that's what I'm doing. I'm pretty sure they can tell. tell. It's either that or you've just been deep beat. So (laughs) 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 there's only two options. Take pick your poison. Um, <laughs> uh, still to go on my bucket list, scissoring for sure, um, achieving immortality and, uh, someday I would like to be part of a decent podcast um, that, gets, <laughs> that gets something right about national security in particular. <laughs> Some are more reachable than others. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm living my best life, but I can't attain everything. Well, we um, could we could get you on MuggleCast sometime. Yeah, I've heard that before. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right. I love awkward silence. I was gonna say, <laughs> you guys are uh... supposed to laugh about that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we we are laughing, dear, just on the inside. Um, I'm crying so... on the inside. For me, I'm going to have to echo some of the sentiments about traveling and living other places. Um, Two things that I always wanted to do were live abroad and live in New York City. So check, check. Um, But there are still a lot of things I want to do. Like I really want to write a book. Um, I've I've been telling myself that I would do this for many, many years now. And I've gotten partway there but not finished anything. What's your book about? Well, I have a few different things, but I'm not comfortable talking about it here. Vampires. Is it fiction? Um, okay. Yes, it's <laughs> it's about it's about DPing. Oh, it's oh. actually don't it's steal actually my fan, idea. That's my I'm fiction, writing a DP scene in my fan fiction mm-hmm. sequel. It's a fan I've, fiction about <laughs> your life. Andrew. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I, I've, I've your written. Biography. I've written. I've read some of her passages too. They're not too bad. I love the chapter mm-hmm. called um, "Stranger in the Tub." <laughs> yeah, that one was about Alex Carpenter, wasn't it? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know I what you're was, talking about, but I thought it was Strangers <laughs> with Candy. That one was um, yeah, that one was Strangers with Candy, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh and my other goal is to skydive. Oh no. No, thank you. I want to go skydiving. No, I'm taking that off your list. I don't want you to die. Why? I'm not gonna die. That is terrifying. I mean, if I, do, if I do, it'll be fast. It won't feel anything. Mm. Yeah, but you'll know it going down. Like, you know you're falling for, like, five whole minutes. That's my yeah, hope but... with DP. I, I, it'll happen fast, and I won't know what's happening. No, you will definitely know what's happening. Trust me. Matt's <laughs> like, I will make sure you know what's happening. Yes. I will be there personally. <laughs> and Matt, what's yours? What's your bucket list? Um, well, Laura's actually said most of mine. Um, first of all, the uh, one of the things on my bucket list I got to do uh, a couple years ago, and it was um, swim in the open ocean. And I got to swim in the Mexico Ocean with uh, whale sharks, and that was oh, that's cool as fuck. It was it was fucking amazing. Um, I wanted to, I want to see uh, the seven wonders of the world. Um, hopefully well you've already seen me a few times so you already got one of them down at least no no wonder is not fuck ups that was fucking savage this is the worst best segment on the show ever thank you claire (laughs) um i also want to want to skydive that's also kind of just like conquering a fear of mine let alone just skydiving i want you uh, to skydive now yeah, but you also don't want my parachute in there. Exactly. Um, and then also uh, living in a in a different country, at least once. Yeah. Matt, let's move to another country and go skydiving together. 
Yes. Let's yes, do it. Please. Put a <laughs> hole in his parachute, Laura, for me, please. Yeah. And we it could depends on how much you'd pay me. <laughs> pay me a, a lot of money to do that. I kinda like Matt, so you get a quarter yeah. of the sh- you get a quarter of the show. Yeah, right. For like a year. Elisa <laughs> and I will give you Matt's part for a year. <laughs> Why my part? Because you're because dying. You're dead. <laughs> oh, anyway, all right. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. Claire, I was gonna say maybe it's your turn to actually share some like real <laughs> aspirations and hopes and dreams, so that our listeners don't get tired of listening to us spin our shit over here. Yeah. So who gets to die in your bucket list? <laughs> oh, God. What are the four of us? Do you take out in a skydiving accident? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> And why is it Matt? <laughs> yeah, why is it me? So what's on your real bucket list? Uh, so I'm a huge tennis fan, so I'd love to go and watch Wimbledon mm-hmm. over in England. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to attend an inaugural address, and uh, hopefully if I do like my job that I want, I'll be in D.C., and so that won't be such a far-fetched thing. Um, Maybe you can do it. To- this January for President Trump. Oh, yes. That would be the one I would love to go to, you know, <laughs> as my first and only. Uh, <laughs> um, I've always wanted to, like, make a regular donation of time or money. Uh, um, every time I try to do it, I just it's never at the top of my list. Um, and then I want to be debt free. Cool. Retweet. Well, Retweet. Our show you know, does need money. So. <laughs> oh, dear God. I guess that counts. I am. I am. A... Yeah. If you're in the charitable mood, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you some of the contact information. <laughs> well, I actually donated. It wasn't a big donation, but I bought, I went on Hillary Clinton's website the other day because they started selling Trump bumper, bumper stickers. So it's a picture of Trump and over top of his face, it just says, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and so I bought that. And then of course, when you go to check out, they're like, Oh, you want to donate a little bit in addition to the thing you're buying? So I was like, oh, fine, I'll donate a few bucks because it was just very, it, it just the thought of my money going to another anti-Trump commercial in a swing state just really donate uh, um, <laughs> motivates me to donate. So I did mm-hmm. it, and that was my first donation to a political campaign ever. I feel empowered. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right, that was fun. Thank you, Claire. Yeah. Did anybody yeah. see Sausage Party this weekend? No, no. I do want to see it. I thought it, it was a porno. <laughs> it may as well be. At Sausage Fest. So this is by Seth Rogen, and he's got a bunch of his friends voicing these food items with him. It is so, so funny. I highly recommend everybody check it out. It is dirty and and just the jokes per minute are really impressive. So basically, it's an animated movie, and it's all these food items in the food store. It's like a Toy Story, but it's set in a food store. And all the food thinks that you can, once you get selected by the gods, being meaning the humans that you know pick them out in the food store. Once you go out there, you just reach like eternal glory. Like that's it. You you you're you're in heaven essentially. <laughs> so they all want to get picked. But then they find out that they're actually that the gods are actually eating the food, and it's horrific as you've seen in the trailers. And mm-hmm. anyway, I highly recommend it. Interestingly, it has a lot of commentary on listening to others instead of ignoring people. Uh, so you kind of think I, about that a lot during. This. I heard it has a lot of um, connotations with uh, religion too. Yes, it does. It does have uh, a lot of connections to religion as well. So some interesting lessons in there. And all the foods are representative of like various backgrounds, ethnicities, uh, religions. Like a bagel is <laughs> is Jewish. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's, fuck's it's, sake. It's really hilarious. The end scene, I was vomiting laughing. So I highly recommend checking out Sausage, Sausage Party. I just love everything Seth Rogen does. This is the end. Super bad. All good. Quick update before we move into Trumpster Fire 2016. Over on the Patreon, we are shutting down the t-shirts at the $10 level. Uh, as of August 16th, new patrons can no longer receive the associate producer season one t-shirt because we are now preparing 
to sell our next item, which we have already said, our posters. And everybody will be able to check out the design soon. They are going to be awesome. And all of our $10 patrons are going to receive these. Every single one, even those who received the shirt. One of the benefits of being a $10 patron is you get a new gift every year. Um, so please do support us if you can over on patreon.com slash millennial. We're actually not too far away from hitting our next goal, which is where we'll start streaming After Dark Live. <laughs> it says here in the notes, strip shows. I don't think I agree oh. to that. <laughs> but uh, that will be on Patreon once a month. We'll be streaming once we hit the next milestone. Yeah. Um, also, the posters have our faces on them, so oh god, I, they're so I apologize good. in advance. No, I don't. No, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Why don't you want that, Elise? Are you afraid somebody's going to jerk it to your face on a poster? I'm used. To, I'm on OKCupid. Okay I'm used to that. Um, I <laughs> I really just i hadn't had a chance to tell you guys that i don't think it's a good idea why <laughs> we're just announcing it to the world um well you know well, we have had the design for a month now yeah yeah but we've been <laughs> I there been, no excuses i haven't i haven't assessed this well because that's something very easy to remove the design itself is fine that's only one element of the design and I just, I don't know. We'll talk later. Wow. Well, I disagree. Okay, it's so too it late. It might not have our faces on it. It's a work in progress, guys. It's so. going to have at least my face. I agree to have my face on it. And you know what? Put a second one of me on it instead of Elisa's. Here's what I think. Replace my face with Thomas Jefferson's. Oh, that's not a bad right? idea. Yeah. Either Same that thing. or we can Photoshop a powdered wig. I was your... just about to say, I will agree to have my face on there if all four of us have a powdered wig, a different powdered <laughs> wig Photoshop on us. How will we? Maybe. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. I really yeah, love my face, so I kind of want to keep it as <laughs> is. All right. All right. It's time to move on. It's time for Trumpster Fire 2016. Exciting Star Wars news this week. John Williams is coming back for episode eight. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Trump. Well, this is John <laughs> Williams music. No, that was orchestrated in Trump's asshole. That's okay. the sound of his fart. <laughs> oh, I see. That's a pretty majestic fart worthy of somebody who sits on a uh, gold throne during interviews. Gross. For real. Anyway, Lisa, what's been going on with Trump this week? Ah, oh, God. Well, so much. So there's a number of things, number of items to get through. But first and foremost, I thought it'd be worth mentioning that he still hasn't released his tax returns, mm. which, again, um, at least over the past 45 years or so, is unprecedented for a presidential candidate. Both Hillary Clinton and, weirdly enough, Trump's running mate, Mike Pence, have released their tax returns, of course, along with with Tim Kaine. So everybody in this has released them except for Trump. I will keep harping on this until Election Day because I is so bizarre to me that he won't do it. I completely understand why he's probably not. But I think it's really bad precedent to send if we don't hold him accountable for it because it's important for transparency. Don't we want to know um, who our presidential candidates are giving to in any given year? Don't we want to know that they're not tied to a foreign government or to foreign operatives or they're not getting donations and, um, you know, they're not being bribed? Because you would see at least some of that, presumably, uh, in tax returns. I think that could be the reason why he's not releasing them is because he knows that there's going to be just going to be foreign ties in there. At the very least, he knows he's he's not nearly as rich as he says he is. Yeah. And that's that's his entire brand, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Laura and I were talking about this the other day. His entire brand is built on on his wealth because he has no other experience other than his business experience. And if we find out that it hasn't been paying off as much as he says, that's not good. And yeah, we when we were talking about this the other day, I voiced the opinion that I think the reason he doesn't want to share them is because he's up to his ears in Russian debt. Mm-hmm. And that he's not uh, paying any taxes, probably. 
Yeah, I think the guy has probably taken advantage of several loopholes for his properties. So exactly. Yeah, there's a group of people. I'm not sure if it's on Reddit or what, but people are trying to um, spread a rumor that the reason he's not releasing his tax returns is because he donates money to Nambla. This is the North American Man Boy <laughs> Love Association. <laughs> I like I like spreading this rumor. I think it's fun. Many people are saying. Many people have said. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it, but many people are saying right. that he donates to Nambla. Not sarcasm. A hundred percent serious. Nambla. Speaking of sarcasm, what was going on? That that's the next oh, thing Lord. we have to talk about. Yeah. So Donald Trump's. <laughs> this is just an ongoing saga. I can barely keep up with it. So Donald Trump said that that Barack Obama founded ISIS. I think we talked about this previously. He founded ISIS and that Clinton was the co-founder of ISIS. <laughs> he was given an out. He was given an out. And we, I think we have a clip here, don't we? we do. Where, yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's cue that up because he was asked about – um, you know, his founding Obama founded ISIS remarks. He was given an opportunity to backpedal and he didn't. He doubled down. Right. You said the president was the founder of ISIS. I know what you meant. You meant that he created the vacuum. He lost the peace. No, I meant he's the founder of ISIS. I do. I, he's the most valuable player. I give him the most valuable player award. I give her too, by the way. But he's not president. sympathetic to them. He hates them. He's trying to I kill them. It, he was the founder. His, the way he got out of Iraq, was the, that was the founding of ISIS. So it's, it's clear he doesn't mean it sarcastically. This was his new line that last week that was that getting him a lot of traction. And uh, so it kind of stuck. It wasn't going away. It was starting to look bad for him because that's what he does. He throws stuff at the wall and he sees what sticks. So after saying it several more times that Obama was the founder of ISIS, he finally backtracked uh, at 630 in the morning, by the way, he tweets, Ratings challenge CNN report so seriously that I call President Obama and Clinton the founder of ISIS and MVP. Then in all caps, he goes, they don't get sarcasm. So I don't think that <sighs> word means what you think it means. Though. Yeah, right, right. And and so then ridiculously at a speech, I guess this was later in the day or it was after the tweet. He comes out with this at an event. They're expanding. So I said, the founder of ISIS. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. Then, then, but not that sarcastic, to be honest with you. <laughs> so I'm being sarcastic, but not that sarcastic, to be honest, but sarcastic. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so beyond messed up. And the problem is, you know, as a president, you can't go around saying things and then take them back later because you were being sarcastic. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god! Did you guys read? Go ahead. I was was gonna ask. Did you guys read this um, this story from New York Magazine called "The Night That Obama and Hillary Founded ISIS"? (laughs) Yes, it's amazing. No, tell tell me about it. It is so fucking funny. I'm just gonna read you guys a really quick excerpt from this. Um, So this is about Obama and Hillary being down in the kitchen of the White House eating popsicles together. Um, And it says they were down in the kitchen one night eating popsicles and staring into each other's eyes when he asked if he could tell her a secret. Hillary laughed and said, is it about how you're really a terrorist? He looked at her and said, yes, actually. She stopped eating her popsicle. Donald Trump was right about you. He (laughs) nodded about everything. (laughs) It's so good. If you haven't read it, it's It's, amazing. It's very reminiscent of Andrews's little fanfic. Oh, yeah, yeah, except without the without the penetration. <laughs> well, we haven't just didn't read and the just whole thing. wait. Trump will start like citing that as like real. <laughs> yeah, evidence yeah, exactly. You know, he if he fucking sees that, the first thing out of his head is going to be like, "Oh my god, it is true." <laughs> I read I read an article that said uh, Obama said I was right. <laughs> and then, funnily enough, the author of the article will have to tweet in all caps: "Do you not get sarcasm?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Jesus oh, Christ. Fuck. Yeah. Um, so speaking of sh- fucked up things to, to say, um, it just it the party never ends at Trump headquarters. And we have another clip here I want to play from Carl Palladino. He's the co-chairman of the Trump campaign in New York. And he was on 
uh, the Don Imus show, conservative talk show or conservative radio show, um, just two days ago. And he was asked about the Khan family incident. You guys will probably remember when um, uh, Khan parents came out with the Constitution and they were and they were saying, you know, my son died in the war and he's a Muslim and you don't know anything, Trump, yada, yada. Well, he was asked about that. Uh, Carl Palladino was. And this is what he said. They, uh, uh, they baited him into it. Right. Wouldn't uh, he have been better off not taking that bait? Yeah, but, but what's the big deal? We got well, it hurt him in the polls. I mean, it hurt him. It hurt him politically. He's trying, to, he's trying to become president. We've got an unindicted felon as his opponent. And you're talking about Khan, about him making a remark about this man. All right. I don't care if he's a gold star parent. He certainly doesn't deserve that title. Okay. If, if he's, uh, anti, as anti-American as he's, he's illustrated in his speeches and in his discussion. I mean, if, if he's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood or, or, uh, uh, supporting, uh, the, uh, you know, the ISIS type of attitude against America, there's no reason for, uh, Donald Trump to have to honor this man. Yeah. The thing is. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. I just hit the floor. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's accusing, he's accusing parents of a fallen soldier of uh, being members of the Muslim Brotherhood and saying they don't deserve the title of Gold Star Family, which all that means, of course, that you lost a loved one in uh, an active duty position. That's, I mean, I don't even need to say how insulting and horrific that is. But mm. what's some ways more insulting and horrific is that Carl Palladino has not been fired yet. He still works the Trump campaign. There's been no admonishments, no formal admonishments anyway, no public ones um, against him. They've just done nothing. And as as though we need another reason for why Trump would make a terrible president. But of course, commander in chief, anybody in a leadership position, part of being a leader is holding people accountable and taking responsibility for those people, even when something isn't necessarily your fault. And we saw that with the DNC and their whole email issue. Um, the people who were sending those emails, who were being very pro-Hillary, um, those people were not Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And even still, Debbie Wasserman Schultz stepped down, she resigned, and the DNC issued a formal apology. Uh, we're not seeing that at all here. We're not seeing them take any responsibility for, I mean, what is such a heinous thing to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's sort of reflective of a portion of the American public that thinks that as Americans, we shouldn't ever have to apologize for anything. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's a really, really dangerous mindset, obviously. I think it's indicative of the Trump campaign agreeing with him, frankly. Mm -hmm. I I the think, fact that they're not saying anything means that they agree with it. That's all that well, you can really read do. into it. Well, it's it's beyond being in, insulting. It's also factually incorrect. There is zero, less than zero evidence that they're members of the Muslim fucking brother. Their military family, their son died. He was an American soldier. I, I don't understand. But then again, Trump supporters have no bearing for fact. So yeah, moving on. Yeah. Moving on. The the last thing I, I really wanted to harp on t today personally was Trump saying one of one of the worst things I think he's he's ever said or proposed. And that is an ideological screening test for immigrants who want to come to America to make sure that they support American values. Now, he said this during a speech on Monday where he's laying out his immigration policies and he talks about national security. And he framed all of this, he framed this new ideological test as being an act of love for America. And this is a quote, pride in our institutions, our history and our values should be taught by parents and teachers and impressed upon all of those who are in our society. Our system of government and our American culture is the best in the world and will produce the best outcomes for everyone who adopts it. I don't know how much more authoritarian it gets. Does this not, does, does this not reek of like despotism? This, mm -hmm. does no one able to read between the lines? Like, I, I really hate making this comparison, but like when, when Hitler was rising to power, just as an example, I know it's a very tired, trite example, but 
when Hitler was rising to power, he didn't start off when he was running. But by the way, democratically, when he was running for office, he didn't start out saying, let's let's kill the Jews. That's not what he said. But looking back, it's so clear what was happening. So I don't know how much clearer this could be. To me, this spells out you must you must conform. And if you don't, we're going to force it. This spells out some very authoritarian regime shit. And the next logical step in it would be jailing people who don't mm-hmm. agree with you. Um, God forbid. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where the crazy train ends with him. But this certainly – this doesn't even seem, though, like it's as like, like even what you said, Elisa, it doesn't seem like this is just a test either. This also could be just a front so they could use this as a reason for, you know, indicting people. Yeah, just saying, yeah. well, they didn't pass this test because it's an ideological test. So it doesn't necessarily have like a right or wrong answer. It's they can just they can skew whatever someone says and you say that, well, they said this thing. And what it actually means is they are, you know, radical Islamic terrorists. Right. Well, exactly. And so to to that point, Trump was asked to clarify these remarks in an interview later. And he said, I shit you not, guys. Trump said that one of the things he would look for uh, in a person who wanted to pass such a test was their social media. And so we should be looking at people's social media accounts and seeing whether or not they support America. Ver fucking Batum. We should be looking at people's social... What? We should be assessing whether or not someone's American enough based off of whether or not they support, like, the president? Yeah. That's, like, that's setting the stage so clearly for oppressing those who don't Mm -hmm. agree with you. I mean, it is that blatant. And I want to ask you, Claire, about this, actually, because... The entire framework for this comment, for, for this policy he's now proposing, is that it's, in, it's, it's for national security purposes. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, national security is a lot of times used to push through policies that are actually intended for other goals. And I was just going to say that when I first heard this story, it just smacked of McCarthyism to me in, from like the Cold War in the 1950s. I mean... They essentially used anti-communism as a screen to get at political enemies and to give the FBI powers that now, today, pretty much everyone has said were complete overreach. And there was a huge pushback um, sort of after the Cold War started to fade away. And so it's just like we are completely repeating history if this actually becomes a thing. I mean, they went after, they blacklisted like Hollywood people and, you know, just like things today that we'd be like, what were you thinking? (laughs) Right. Well, regarding the social media point, Trump gets himself in hot water last week and then backtracks by calling it sarcasm. What if people are being sarcastic about social on social media about their feelings towards America, for example? And then also this extreme test that he's he's trying to push, the extreme vetting, he called it. His own VP probably wouldn't pass this. He specifically mentioned LBG, LGBT, I sound like him, LGBT tolerance. Mike Pence, meanwhile, he opposed a law that would prohibit discrimination against LGBT people in the workplace. He opposed the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I mean, his, his, his VP sucks <laughs> for American values. Well- well, that's the thing is, is, you know, first of all, the very foundation of, of the First Amendment and of any notion of liberty is being able to disagree and say something that's outlandish or crazy. I mean, that's that's the foundation of a free society is being able to disagree. That's why we have things like freedom of the press and, and what have you. Um, so I think even if someone came out and said, I hate America, that should be perfectly legal. Uh, Mm -hmm. I disagree, and I think that's kind of a fucked up thing to say, but you should be perfectly within your rights to say whatever the hell you want so long as it's not calling people to violence. Um, But that aside, who would even do this? What commission would he set up? Like This is some like George Orwell shit. I don't know. Like Who's going to be making these decisions? Who yeah. who gets who gets to decide what is American enough and what's and what supports our values enough? Who makes that call? I mean, it's of not course the president. It's not, going, 
it's well, it's if it trumps the president, it sounds like it. It sounds like, and it's such an arbitrary, subjective measure that cannot possibly hold up under any amount of scrutiny. So the principle of it aside, I don't know how it's even implemented. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly the use of an instrument that is intended to set certain groups of people up to fail. Um, we saw the same thing in our own history with voting tests. You had to take a test in order to vote. And those tests very purposely excluded people from minority communities from voting. So this isn't something that's in our distant past, really. Um, and it's frankly quite frightening. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say one word. I mean, it is, if you guys look at the McCarthy hearings in the 50s, it is exactly the same thing. I mean, they set up a congressional committee that just went after people and they used it as a fear tactic to get people to stop speaking out. And, and, it, you know, they used threats of treason essentially. And it exactly. was, they went after unions and they just, they just went after like all sorts of people who would make problems for the government. And it's just like, it's exactly the same thing. <laughs> it just, so it, right also, it shows how easy it is for us to forget like these things have happened relatively recently and yeah. it should also indicate that this kind of conversation is going to be brought up in the future regardless of what happens right now it is i agree we it we have short memories apparently or trump supporters at least have short memories if they think that this is okay it's total smokescreen and to me it's just indicative of how have how Donald Trump views the presidency in general. He clearly views it as just a like a a podium from which he can do all. He has no concept, let alone respect for checks and balances for what the executive branch can and cannot do. It's just, you know, he would just go haywire with it because this is this is this is wouldn't even be anywhere close to the executive branch's jurisdiction. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, the other thing I w we wanted to talk about is Paul Manafort. Now, Paul Manafort is the campaign manager, uh, Trump's campaign manager. And this has not been getting all that much attention for some reason. At least I don't think so. There were secret ledgers that were just uncovered um, in Ukrainian documents that were leaked showing that Paul Manafort – Trump's campaign manager um, had received $12.7 million in undisclosed cash payments that were designated um, for both personally, Paul Manafort himself, and the Trump campaign. Oh, my God. Um, now, these $12.7 million, again, they're undisclosed. They're just ledgers. And so we don't have a paper trail from the money to his bank account. Um, there would need to be a whole legal investigation for that. But, of course, there probably won't be one. But this, as if we needed any more uh, circumstantial evidence that the Trump campaign, or at least Trump, is tied to to Russia. Because I should make clear, even though the money came from the Ukrainian president, the Ukrainian president in question, uh, Viktor Yanukovych, he is a huge, like, he's basically a puppet for Putin. Um, and so as though there weren't enough evidence that there's a tie between Russia and Trump already, I feel like this should be the final nail in the coffin, right? Yeah. And imagine if the tables were turned and this was Hillary. I mean, oh, my God. It's crooked Trump. Exactly. <laughs> crooked Trump, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's God, I really want sad. to see this guy's I, tax returns. I really I, want to see him. As for why people aren't paying more attention to this, I... I I don't know if this is really a factor, but I feel like the New York Times broke this late at night on Monday, and there's just so much to talk about. It's like, how can you, how can you cover everything at this point regarding Trump? There's so much to talk about regarding Trump. And, uh, this, this story I think is a little inside baseball, but yeah, it's really, really bad. Yeah. I don't know. For me, I feel like the big takeaway is something that both Elisa and Claire brought up before we started recording, which was that, uh, what was it you said, Elisa, about 1930s Germany? Yeah, so there was someone, I, I'll have to source them later, but somebody tweeted, 
Well, folks, if you ever wondered what you would have done in 1930s Germany, now's your chance. <laughs> in seriousness. Yeah. And, and Claire, Claire mentioned, uh, what were you saying, Claire, about, you know, yeah. people thinking that's easier than it, than it seems? Yeah, I saw somewhere again, I'd have to source it later. Um, there was some secretary from the uh, the Nazi government who is who gave an interview recently and she said, yeah, most people today who are saying they would do stuff actually wouldn't have stood up and done anything to stop what was going on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with what a lot of people do on social media. Like they love to complain, but that's pretty much the extent, extent of it. Like they're not going to actually do anything. They're not, going, I- not, vote. They're not going to protest. They're just going to comment on YouTube. Well, and that's I, I think to be honest with you, I think some of it, of course, is just uh, moral indifference. I think there are you know, obviously there's a fra- there's a significant fraction of the country who actually agrees with this bullshit. There's another fraction of the, com- of the country that's either apathetic or uninformed. But to be honest with you, I think the bulk of it is probably just the bystander effect. I think a lot of people view this. We watch it on our television screens and we see it being reported online. And we talk about it amongst ourselves and we all sort of have this silent, subtle assumption that everyone else or someone else will do something about it, that it will figure itself out in its own way, in its own time. There's no way this could happen. There's just no way, especially in the United States. But that's exactly how it happens, is by believing it isn't possible. Well, Roger Ailes is trying to make it possible for Trump to win. He reportedly, according to the New York Times, is going to help Trump uh, prepare for the presidential debates. Now, the funny thing is, because Trump can never fucking admit to anything, it seems, anything that seems remotely bad, uh, the Trump campaign is denying it. He said that they said that uh, Roger Ailes is not helping Trump formally or informally. So they're just trying to push Roger Ailes aside completely. And of course, this would cast Trump in a negative light because Roger Ailes, of course, was let go from Fox News, the company he founded, and, you know, he's responsible for founding this company. Um, or, sorry, he's responsible for the company's success uh, because there were allegations against him regarding sexual assault. Uh, who was it? There are many women who came forward in the background. I'm forgetting the name of the woman who... who boy, uh gretchen carlson right yeah that's it so she um, came but then also first. megan kelly came out uh, a number of other high profile um fox news yeah commentators so, and hosts is anyone surprised by this though that roger ailes would be helping him i think trump would be smart no. to actually get help from ailes even though he won't admit it because he knows what fox news viewers and conservatives want to see out of a candidate so yep <laughs> All right. Well, um, today, Wednesday, by the way, is a horrific day because um, Trump is going to receive his first classified briefing tomorrow or sorry, today, Wednesday at an FBI office in New York City. He's Sweet reportedly Jesus. bringing Chris Christie, who ran against him, and General Flynn, who is a retired United States Army lieutenant general and is now a Trump advisor with him to the meeting. So he's got a couple of his bros in tow and they're going to learn some secret information. That's great. Oh yeah, Chris Christie. That's you know, that's such an, an expert. expert. Yeah. yeah, I legitimately <laughs> can't believe that Trump will actually be able to keep his mouth shut with everything he learns. Like you know, he's going to accidentally spew something out from one of the meetings. He's going to well, reveal something. Hmm? Yeah. Go ahead, Claire. I was going to say then he'll be the felon. I mean, talk about Hillary with her emails and right. like classified mm-hmm. information. there's part of me that for that reason like i mean i don't know i don't i don't i don't hope for it to happen i don't want it to happen i think national security is more important than my own entertainment but (laughs) i there there's a part of me that would see a silver lining to it because i don't trust trump to be able to handle secure information at all so i kind of hope he just flubs it he's up on like a podium just talking about, I don't know, crying babies or some shit. And he's just like, yeah, so guess what Guess what Pakistan's doing? <laughs> and, and then With their like, babies who cry. <laughs> and he's like, I don't like, like, shut the baby up. I'm trying to give away state secrets. Shut the baby up. I mean, I'm just kidding, but I'm not really. <laughs> right. And then <laughs> I'm not saying that. 
Yeah. Uh, By the way, I was being sarcastic about that whole Pakistan thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do, do you not understand sarcasm as like his hands on like the nuclear codes? Finally, to put a bow on all of this, I've been really enjoying the New York Times' Who Will Be President page. It gives you, they update it daily with the chances of who's going to become president. Hillary currently has an 88% chance of winning. Donald Trump has a 12% chance of winning. Winning. Um, they're currently, the most likely outcome is 347 electoral votes for Hillary, which would be a landslide. You need 270 to win, of course. Um, and then at the very bottom of this page, I love, they have this chart. Clinton has 1,011 ways to win as of right now. Trump has 10 ways to win. 10. If Clinton wins Florida, Clinton wins. Game over. Election done. If Clinton wins Pennsylvania, over. Done. If Clinton wins Ohio, over. Done. So if she takes any of those three states, doesn't have to be all three, just any of them, she wins. Um, And anyway, I highly recommend checking out this page. I've been watching it daily. Given those odds, I just think it's I'm just going to harp on this every week. Do not get complacent. Don't look at that and say, oh, chances are he's probably not going right, to win right. because you don't want to wake up on November 9th and be like, holy shit, he only had 10 ways to win and he got it. Yeah. Don't be that person. And and particularly given that, you know, in every presidential election, we usually have what's called a, an October surprise. And so I would not be surprised if come <laughs> October uh, we had some more, for example, emails leaked um, or something is going to drop seriously on the Clinton campaign. Let's just brace for it because it's going to happen. And when that happens, we're all really going to have to fucking button down because unless it's I can't even imagine a scenario where that it would actually swing me <laughs> towards Trump. But like, let's assume that it's like it's nothing a- actually heinous. We're all going to have to really button down and, and say, you know, we have to go vote because we think these poll numbers are solid and they're not. We're still two months out. That's a lifetime in politics, a lifetime. So, yeah, don't get complacent. Let's Don't get complacent. move on to Hidden from the Headlines. This story, I think, has been covered up maybe a little too much because of the trump apocalypse that's been going on. Yeah, exactly. Like, this isn't... So we're going to talk about Milwaukee and the shooting that happened there and the protests, the subsequent protests. But I, I was on the fence about whether or not this was really hidden from the headlines. But I think compared to, for example, Baltimore and Ferguson, which dominated the news... This certainly has not been reported on very much. True. Um, There's not a whole hell of a lot of detail out there. But what we do know is that the victim in question who was shot by a police officer was Sylvie Smith. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that properly. Um, Sylvie Smith was shot on Saturday after an encounter with a pair of police officers. The police officers stopped Smith and a friend in their vehicle And as the officers were approaching the vehicle, they got out of the car and they ran. They were uh, chased down by the officers. And when they finally were cornered, Smith and his friend turned around and the officers noticed that Smith had a gun in his hand. We do not know if he pointed the gun at the officers or not, but we do know uh, that it was out and that he was brandishing it with his hand. The reason we know this is because the officers were actually wearing body cameras. Um, and they haven't released the footage yet, but they did release those details from the, from the footage. So he had a gun out, he was brandishing it and the officers told him to drop it at least four times, told him to drop it and he wouldn't. So they shot him first in the arm. He brandished the gun again and they, they shot him a second time and, and hit him in the chest and, and he died. Um, that to my knowledge is, are the only details that we have about the incident Um, But then the following day, when the news came out, Milwaukee sort of just erupted. There were protests that turned violent. Seven private businesses were torched um, and burned to the ground. Um, A dozen or more police cars were also burned. Seven police officers were um, wounded. Um, People were throwing uh, rocks and uh, just beating on the officers, punching them and what have you. 
Um, and it was it was incredibly violent, and there was like a state of emergency issued for the city. So that's what happened. Unless I'm missing anything, guys. No, I think you no. got all the the details um, that we have for now, and I think this is a, a big part of the reason why this didn't get quite as much um, saturation in the media, just because the other cases that we've seen, like Ferguson, Baltimore, these are very clear-cut cases of police brutality, mm-hmm. whereas this one isn't necessarily. I mean, with Ferguson and Baltimore, particularly with Ferguson, we had like footage and pictures of Mike Brown's body laying in the street for hours after he was gunned down. You know, Mm -hmm. we had we had actual footage of like the Ferguson police being militarized against the citizens there. So I think that's a big part of the reason why we see the the discrepancy in the reporting there. Um but I also think that because they're they're being so they're not being terribly forthcoming with details from the video, um, we're gonna have to wait to just get that additional context there. But I did yeah. want to talk about the way that kind of it, things did become sort of violent in Milwaukee. Um, and Claire, I know that you don't live too far from Milwaukee. Did you hear anything about this? Do you have any sense for like what the the sentiment is like locally? Um, I mean, not too much more than just what's on like local news. They just covered, you know, that the protests are happening. I mean, there's a clearly an incredible sense of anger. Um, beyond that, I don't know if I can provide any additional insight. I'm much closer to Chicago and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because the two cities are close and, um, the population probably isn't all that different. Um, I feel like Mm -hmm. violence that happens in one or the other, or shootings that happen in one or the other can also seem like they happen, you know, in the same city. So I feel like a lot of the violence that's happening in Chicago could probably also have contributed to a buildup of anger and um, a feeling of, you know, that nothing's changing and people aren't listening and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, there's two, two, two other details I forgot to mention. Um, Number one is the the firearm that the victim had been brandishing was was determined to have been stolen, and he had also, I believe, it was two hundred rounds of ammunition yeah, on him right. as well. Um, so um, that's a a lot of ammunition. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the officer who shot and killed him was black as well. Um, and I think. So what's interesting to me, number one, is that the protests that they were truly violent were the first night of the protests uh, or the very first night when everyone was just learning like top level details. The second night, they started to calm down and they calmed down appreciably, noticeably. In fact, the violence sort of waned almost entirely once those details came out. Most of all, once it came out that the officer who shot him was black. I think everybody assumed, you know, understandably, but still Mm -hmm. a a pretty bold assumption that the officer who shot and killed him was white and he wasn't. Um, And once it came out that that he he was black as well, um, things really calmed down. I think I would say two things. Number one is violence against innocent people is never, never acceptable, no matter how justified your rage. So for the so. For the people who were whose businesses were burned down, those people had nothing to do with police brutality in the United States. They are private citizens or business owners to burn their businesses down. Like there is just that doesn't achieve anything. If anything, all it achieves is making you seem um, really, really petulant and unable to to focus your anger where it's due. The second thing, though, even though I'm like appalled by the protesters actions even if this guy smith even if he was guilty of some things and even though he was brandishing his weapon i think it's critical that we all remember that the police police officers their job um is still not to they're not judge and jury and executioner and so even if he is guilty and it sounds like frankly he is just based off the details we have currently it sounds like it sounds like he's not a great guy. 
that's not the job of the police is to determine whether or not someone's a great guy. Mm-hmm. That's that's not what they're there for. We have a judi- we have a justice system for that. And however flawed it is, it's still infinitely better than being gunned down the street. Right. And I think it's just important that we remember that, you know, we shouldn't look at anybody, even if they seem super, super guilty and not cool and say, eh, I kind of get it. You know, we should still say to ourselves they deserved a trial. I th- I still think, though, the the riots mainly are are caused because the city itself of Milwaukee has been notoriously bad towards its uh, African-American community and residents. Right. I, I get what you're saying, Matt. It was it was like the straw that broke the camel's back there. Right. There was just so much that's been going on for this community for so long that that people just snapped. I totally understand that. Um, but I also agree with what Elise is saying. You know, it, it, it doesn't even matter if he wasn't, quote, you know, an ideal martyr. He still didn't deserve to be gunned down in the street. Right. Unless, I agree. Unless unless the footage shows him lifting his gun towards the officers like he's going to shoot. Mm-hmm. Like if obviously if you're going to attempt to shoot somebody, you deserve to get shot. But we don't know that for sure yet. Mm-hmm. We know that we know that he had his mm-hmm. gun out and that he was quote brandishing it around. I don't know if that's the same thing, however, as actually pointing it and threatening somebody. Right. And that's a very fine line. But if if it was the latter, then yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. But if it's I the mean, former, then it's not okay to shoot him. I don't know if like I don't. I'm I'm nervous to bring this up because I don't want to be you know categorized as that kind of person who. Uh, profiles people but there are there is at least one picture that i have seen i think it was on reddit or something where uh smith took a selfie of himself brandishing a gun pointing at the uh the camera lens so i will i i mean i I don't really know i i just i mean what that's supposed to i don't know what it's supposed to mean either but it i don't know i Mm. Again, that's another example, though, of it it reflecting very badly on the victim. But that doesn't mean that's we don't know anything about that. There are lots of people. There are punk ass teenagers, uh, you know, sitting in their parents basement, you know, who who take out their gun and take pictures with it because they think they're cool. It doesn't mean that they're a criminal Mm -hmm. and doesn't mean that that they deserve to be shot in the street. I that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Well, as somebody who has used the gun emoji quite frequently in private texts, right, doesn't mean that. Well, your days on that are numbered because on iOS 10 they're changing it to a water gun. Probably a good thing. Let's move on to the number now. So, for anybody who doesn't know, this is where we present a number, and the panelists here have to guess what what the answer is. It's it's like Jeopardy. So, Claire, I want you to go first, since you're new here. 41% of... How old are you, Claire, if you don't mind my asking? 24. Okay. Oh, she's the youngest here. Damn it. And she's smarter than all of us. Double damn it. Well, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so 41% of millennials are not doing this. What is it? So... I'm I think sorry. I saw a news thing about this. So I'm going to say what I was going to guess before I saw the news thing. Um, I was going to say, like, actively dating. Mm, okay, mm. good. Well, what was your other gonna... guess? Now I'm curious. Oh, yeah. Well, so I hope it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was uh, using credit cards or having credit debt. Okay. Yeah. Matt, what's your guess? I will say um, ha- uh, having a 401k. Okay. Uh, that's a good one. Saving in general is a good one. I think it's probably higher than 41% though. (laughs) Very few people are. I think a hundred percent (laughs) here. Oh yeah. This is a party of one. I can for sure tell you I'm not saving. Um, 41% of millennials are not using contraception. Okay. Oh, that's (laughs) horrifying. Still 100% here. And Laura, what was yours? Did you complete it? I, I said saving. Okay. 
Well, yeah, you're all about right, but Matt was closest. So a recent Wells Fargo survey found that 41% of millennials have not yet started saving for retirement, 64% of whom say they are not making enough money to do so. The situation is even more dire for millennial women, almost half of whom aren't saving for retirement, partially as a result of the gender wage gap. Yep. There it is. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's find out if this is real. How many of us are saving for retirement? I'm no. saving for rent. Uh, <laughs> I'm saving for tomorrow's I'm saving for, I'm saving for retirement. Uh, of course you are. Wait, well, is this a result of your new job or? Uh, no, I mean, actually, I've had a 401k for three or four years now. Well, okay, I so guess we all know who we're living with in 50 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm marrying you next 50. week. We're not making it that long. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, we're not going to be able to retire any time before that. The reason I wanted to include this number was because I think we talked about this off air a few months ago, and it made me feel better when Elisa said that she, too, wasn't saving for retirement. Because I, no. I felt very alone in, in that. Until no, hearing from Elisa. I'm, I'm not saving for retirement. I'm saving for Saturday. I have... <laughs> I have a party I'm supposed to go to, and I need fifty dollars, so that's what I'm saving for. Yeah, there's a, this. This comes from an article on, in the Daily Beast, "The Unsexy Truth About Millennials: They're Poor." It's titled. And it's really interesting because it just it actually touches on the fact that millennials would rather be just spending money on the weekend rather than saving for retirement. Well, we don't. I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, do you think it's that or do you think it's that we have so much more student debt that we just can't be saving yet? That Right, exactly. It's like Mm. we're used to not having money and we're used to being okay with the fact that we just don't have any means of saving. It's our our way of life. God, that's that's pathetic. Yeah, so I think that's interesting. I want to try to start saving for retirement soon. Me too. I would love to. (laughs) That'd be great. If Bruce Springsteen would stop touring, maybe I could save a little bit of money. In seriousness, I'm thinking my my retirement plan is is to marry Laura, but my I am saving. I am saving to try and buy a house. However, oh my god, me too. It's like how can you save for a house, save for retirement, eat, drink? Yeah, buy drugs. You can yeah. save money to buy a house. It's just probably not an area that you would prefer. Or a house. Either. Right. So, I mean, yeah. I, could, I could buy, you know, a bungalow. I could buy, like, a trailer, maybe. My current goal is to buy a condo in West Hollywood somewhere. And I, I have an understanding of how much I'll have to save up. <laughs> I I am... Uh, I, I don't really want to get into it, but I have a plan potentially that could work for me because I don't want to b- keep pissing away money on rent. It's a waste. We're not going to is... pay rent. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. 1% of African Americans are doing this. Rioting. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> No, I think it's a I think it's a bigger percentage of one percent. Um, oh, not rioting would be the wrong word. Protesting. Claire? Um voting for Trump. <laughs> Claire's right. I'm just gonna <laughs> stop it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, only one percent of Americans yeah. support Trump. This has this has been on the news a bit. It's kind of hilarious. Uh Hillary Clinton has eighty five percent of african americans gary johnson has seven percent so <laughs> he's he's got an african-american problem my african-american remember when he said that it's the definition of insulting i would say yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. okay yeah that's that's pretty bad like, literally pretty fucking insulting <laughs> just a just a guess yeah I, I know what's you know what's hilarious to me i think it's it's going to be it's going to be minorities and women who save us from Trump. That's who's going to be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they day one of the done. Trump campaign, he insulted Seriously, Mexicans. The black vote and the women vote. I mean, you're fucking well. As a woman, you're fucking welcome, America. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the gay vote, too. All right. Claire, it's time for Surprise Bitch. And you get the honor of picking a number between two and 505. 
Did you guys already do 22? Let's see. Nope. Okay. And that's Lena in France, so we're about to wake somebody up. Oh my I'm... gosh, really? Yeah, why? Lena, well, Lena had posted in the Facebook group a while back about wanting to be called. Oh. She'll be so excited. <gasps> oh. She answers. Hey, this is Lena. Oh, no. Oh, hi. Uh, Surprise, bitch. Surprise, bitch. Oui. El millennial los nighttime. No, wrong language. Stop. Stop. Just stop. Don't uh, uh, Surprise, oh, bitch. Oh, my God. Lena, I'm so Kel sorry. <laughs> I'm so Jesus sorry. Christ. I'm I always sorry. have to apologize for just the Ameri-centricism that happens on this show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great country or greatest country? Right? <laughs> Am I right? Hold on. I'm not ending this call until I translate hello, bitch, into French. Bonjour, salope. <laughs> oh, my God. Bonjour, nailed salope. It. You nailed it. Bye. Bonjour, salope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, Maybe. Lena. We'll I'm call you again. So embarrassed to be on the show. Oh, that was so much fun. All right, so we tried to call a couple numbers. Nobody was picking up, uh, but Lena, we had to keep yours in because that was just too much fun. Okay, so that actually <laughs> does it for this week's show. What is our outro song for this week, Elisa? This one is, uh, I think this one sort of embodies uh, Donald Trump. This is called My Own Worst Enemy by Lit. Okay, well... We should vamp for 20 more seconds because there's an ad in front of it. So I'll remind everybody that <laughs> our website is millennialshow.com. You can get all of our episodes there. You can also uh, write to us via the feedback form there, or you can email millennialshow at gmail.com. Our thank you page was just updated recently. I updated it, and it's got everybody's names there uh, on our Patreon. And just a reminder... Now's a good time to pledge, because if you sign up at the $10 level, you'll be eligible to receive a poster with Elise's face on it. Confirmed, official, definitely happening. <laughs> or two of yeah. mine, or something. <laughs> <laughs> and also, don't forget, we also do After Dark. We release new installments every week for our $5 patrons. This week, we are going to be doing something really fun. We are going to be doing... Fuck off, Cupid. And by popular demand, we are reading another dirty selection from my Albus Scorpius fan fiction. <laughs> it's mm. even dirtier, and now Matt's involved this time. And then Claire, you can you can um you can judge, you can pick a winner. Thanks everybody for listening. And Claire, thank you so much for coming on. We hope uh, you'll still remain a supporter after this shit show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay. She's like, no, not, not really. <laughs> and canceling my support now. <laughs> All right. So I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. I'm Matt. And I'm Claire. See everybody next week. See everybody next week. I was going to edit that out. And then since you guys made fun of me, I guess we'll keep it in. See everybody yeah, next but, week for episode 231. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. I love this song. Cause every now and then I can't believe.